Okay. Rob, I don't even want to do our normal intro. I just want to say, hey, Rob, welcome to the show. Hi. Hello, Rob. Really great to be here. Do you want people to call you Rob, Robert, Rob Chester Smith? I've been Rob Chester Smith officially with the union for a while now. My given name is Robert Chester Smith, but that doesn't fly as well. Does anyone ever call you Chester? No, no, no. No? Okay. It was. I love that name. It was a source of great derision when I was a kid, but now I love it. <laughs> Chester is like a, a cartoon character name. That's well, why I like yeah, it. Yeah, it's a Cheetos character. Yeah, Chester it's a family name. Yeah. It's a family name. And then I had to throw it in there to join the union because there's a thousand Rob Smiths. A robber, robber, yeah. robber, robber. Now, do you identify yourself as like as a comedian or an That's actor? That's a good question. Or both? I think I'm both. I think times have changed. <laughs> well, walk us through. Like, where yeah. you, I know I only know like a little bit about you because we worked together right. a few times. But so tell us your story. Okay, so the story. <laughs> uh, I'm from Iowa, small town Iowa, and uh, I went to Northwestern, uh, which uh-huh. is in Chicago. Yep. And I did, I, my degree is actually in applied mathematics, which is an engineering degree. But yep. I did student theater and student television, student film while I was there, because that's all I really cared about. Did you do any of that stuff in high school? Yes. Yes. My big claim to fame was uh, Bye Bye Birdie. I don't know if you guys rem- know that, are familiar with that musical at all, but it no. features an appearance by Ed Sullivan. So I got to go get... Ed Sullivan lessons from famous Des Moines, Iowa radio personality, Van, I don't know what his last name was, Van of Van and Bonnie. So I got to go on the radio and get Ed Sullivan lessons from Van, whose name I can't remember the name of. Um, so for all the Iowa listeners to this, to your podcast, <laughs> shout out Van. to the local Des Moines radio. Oh my God. <laughs> so I did that and uh, I went to Northwestern, did student theater and stuff. And then in Chicago, after school, I did a lot of improv at I.O., which is which was called Improv Olympic at the time. Uh, eventually, I met the woman who would become my wife and um, in a secret blood ceremony. Mm. <laughs> and she helped me sort of get my... She was the one who was kind of like, all right, you need to shit or get off the pot. So she helped me kind of get, an, get a plan together. I had shot a Mitsubishi commercial in South Africa, of all places, uh, a friend. You remember Eric Lynn? Yeah, Timothy, uh-huh. uh, the director that I went to school with, who was uh, worked for Partisan in in London at the time, and helped me get my headshot on top of the pile. And I got to go shoot this thing, which was a, I mean, which was like getting a ticket to go to the moon at the time. So I got to shoot that. So I had a little money in the bank, and I moved out here. I slept on a friend's couch. And started booking commercials eventually. For a while, I had to, I was booking commercials, but they don't pay like they used to. Even back then, they didn't pay like they used to. (laughs) So I still had my last, my very last day job, and this was at least 10 years ago, um, was doing uh, as seen on TV type presentations at area Sears locations. (laughs) Soon to be, soon to go out of business. And so I would do like an announcement, like, ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? I have a very, we did this announcement that was like a, like a bomb warning or something, but it was to get people to come <laughs> to my little booth and I would give them a free gift and then do this demonstration and then try to sell the, 
it was either microfiber and then I learned how to do magic. Do you remember ShamWow? The Vince, the ShamWow? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Same, sure. same product, same presentation, but um, at live in Sears. And people just, <laughs> sometimes people would, if you did the presentation right, people would just claw, like climb over their dead mothers to get to you to buy one. And if you did oh, it yeah. wrong, they'd leave. They would just like spite you for having wasted a half an hour of their life <laughs> with the promises of free gifts that never materialized. Um, so that was terrible. That was the, that was the worst job I ever had, but fortunately it was the last one. I eventually I quit because I, if I didn't quit, I would die and <laughs> things kind of worked out somehow. How, how old were you when you moved? I didn't move until I was like tw- 29, I think. Oh, wow. Which, okay. looking back, is kind of late. Um, mm-hmm. you, you come out here thinking, like, it's a it's a lottery ticket, and it's not. You have to, like, position yourself, and it takes time to sort of wheedle your way in to get to a position to get seen. I mean, some people come in here and fall upstairs and, and whatever. Right. But uh, most people, especially working class actors, like, you come and you sort of slowly position yourself and get yourself into to be seen and then move forward. And I was lucky that I came out here. Um, I had a commercial agent pretty quickly. So that helped. Nice. Did you only have that Mitsubishi commercial when you I came did. out? I did. That and my friend's recommendation was enough to get me a, a commercial rep, a good one. Uh, a commercial rep that was willing to keep sending me out even when mm. yeah, I wasn't booking anything yet. So rewind a little bit, go back to yes. Chicago and your future wife said, you need to shit right. or get off the pot. What was happening with you at the time? I was doing what I normally do, which I was like, well, I'm not happy with how things are, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know yeah. if I should go or what I should do. Uh, and she was, because at the time she was the act, she's the one who's trained as an actor. And at the okay. time she was actually jumping ship from her, from her crappy day job to a job she actually cared about, which was. She'd gotten a job working for an animal shelter in Chicago. But you knew you liked acting and you wanted to act and you're thinking about going yes. to L.A. But I you just, just weren't look, it took willing me, to do it. I graduated when I was 22. 22? Is that what it was? I don't know. Uh, and I didn't move out till I was 28, 29. So that was seven years in Chicago sort of like waiting for fate to... Mm-hmm. A gust of wind to blow me out because I wasn't going to do it myself. Mm. So, had you not met her, do you think that you would still be there? I've I've pondered that question, <laughs> and I don't know. I wonder that. I, I what I really wanted to happen in Chicago was I wanted to get hired by Second City or Boom Chicago. These are two places. Second City, everyone's heard right. of. Boom Chicago is this theater in Amsterdam that many people you've heard of have done a tour in, and this didn't happen. I was terrible at auditioning. That's something yeah, we should talk about. I'm terrible at auditioning. <laughs> <laughs> just just to clarify, so you're a full-time working actor. All you do is act yes. and you don't do anything else. Well, here's what I do now. So I was that for a few years. In the last four years, I've taken on a freelance writing gig as well. Nice. Um, there's a show on FX called FX Movie Download. That it shows the movies and then they show the DVD extras at the commercial breaks. It used to be called DVD on TV mm. with like Dave Holmes hosting. Nice. And now people don't know what DVDs are. 
Uh, no one knows what DVD is now. Was that Dinner in a Movie originally? Was that where it started? No, that was Dinner in a Movie was somebody else. That I remember that show. Because they used to do special features on there too, which I liked. Well, they did a little cooking segments and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, sorry. <laughs> but no, Alric. Alric, no, I don't write for that show. Okay, okay. So you write for Download <laughs> Movie or something? Or what is this? This is FX Movie <laughs> Download. Okay. That um, people... <laughs> People see it and they're like, just shut up. I want to see X-Men. Please stop talking to me during this commercial break. That's all advertising. Um, so my friend and I freelance write for the, basically the copy for the host. Okay. Um, that's a really nice gig because it fills in the holes in between uh, residual checks and all that. Is that like a week, uh, a once a week type job or like once a month type job? or It's whenever episodes come up. Mm. We get together, meet, talk about what, watch movie, talk about what we're going to talk about, and then go home. And I get a rundown of what's going to be in the show, and I, uh, my writing partner and I work on it separately at home. And you, it's the most perfect, it's the most perfect day job in the world. And you're writing for the voices of these two hosts, basically, right? That's the idea. Correct. That's correct. Awesome. So that's so. Right now, my work is. Probably about 75, no, about two-thirds acting and one-third that thing. Mm. Mm -hmm. Maybe a little more than two-thirds acting. There were times when you had 100% income just from acting. There were some weird salad days where I would like appear twice in the same commercial break in different commercials. (laughs) (laughs) Now there's, now people don't watch commercials anymore. But, um, so, and then, and then my, in my acting, it's mostly commercials and then some TV. Like I just did a co-star on This Is Us, which is the one show that everyone's heard of. Most of the time, if you do, if I do a thing on a show, most of the people I bring it up to are like, I've never heard of that show. But that's the one <laughs> show that everyone's has heard of. So there's that. And then I did an episode of Powerless, which is a half hour comedy set in the DC universe on NBC. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I... Sounds like my thing, but I haven't seen it yet. It is. I've I've found myself laughing out loud at it, but they keep pushing off my episode, and so I don't oh, really? know if or when they're ever going to air it, uh, which is a bummer. So stay tuned. Yes. Walk us through what a career as an actor uh, looks like, and you don't have to use today. You can rewind a little bit. Like, how do you get auditions? Like, after you have a commercial agent, like when? How often do you go to auditions? How do you get them? What do you do when you show up? All that but, stuff. But before you get to that, clarify uh-huh. exactly how you get your commercial agent, because I think that's a lot of like what people okay. People want to know like how do you get right? How do you get in the door to begin with? So there's no single answer to that one. The commercial agent is the easiest one to get off the street. Um, the theatrical stuff is a little different. But for commercials, mm. you can actually submit yourself and get in. Commercials, to get a commercial agent, you can either... They, most agencies have some kind of submission process. What you really need to get a commercial agent is a picture, obviously, and some footage, which thanks to the miracle of modern technology... Anybody in their sketch group can get a halfway decent, you know, 60 second sample of video of themselves, um, which is great. In the olden days, you had to somehow get work in order to get work. I mean, you had to like, nobody could, you couldn't go home. You couldn't make stuff yourself. Kind of create your own. Um, yeah, yeah. 
So it's a, I got an agent because I came to town and my friend had a really good agent and he introduced me and they were, they, they repped me on the spot. I'm assuming because I was in some way charming in the room, but also it was helpful that I had some footage <laughs> to show that I knew how to walk and chew gum at the same time. I mean, the commercial wasn't that Mitsubishi uh-huh. commercial wasn't anything revolutionary, but it was like, Oh, look, he knows how to stand on camera. Um, and these guys, you know, I've been doing it long enough. They can see, they've seen people enough to know like, yeah, he's worth giving it a shot. Yeah. 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 But for anybody who's trying to get a commercial agent, find someone, you know, who has an agent, um, better to do it with a friend who is the opposite gender so, so that you don't have to worry about feeling they don't have to we don't have to worry about them feeling like they're competing with you right like i'm usually i'm happy to people i know ask if they I, i'm happy to introduce them to my agent i mean my agent has a day where they look at submissions for people looking for reps mm-hmm. and i just forward an email with a friend's materials at, so that they look on it on that day and it has a recommendation from me to say like hey please look at it so that's one way you can do it is have a friend with an agent. Mm. Other than that, I don't know how the, I honestly have no clue how you get into this business because there's no single pathway. There really isn't. The really the best way is making your own stuff. It's such a cliche now. Um, right. That's true though. But uh, you guys know when you're cast stuff, you're willing to cast people who aren't names, but you need to know you can look at some footage, even if it isn't professional, and see in 10 seconds whether they know how to do it. It's just, it's really the footage more than anything, yeah. I think, you know. It doesn't have to be perfect. It really doesn't. It's not like you're submitting it yeah. to a film festival. This is submitting it to agents who are going to watch it on a tiny screen on their computer. Um, yeah, I, w- I will say just from my own perspective, I don't know what you think, Timothy, but like when I see an actor's reel and they have something that looks well lit and well shot on there, um, you know, it, it, it makes me like them more. Cause it's like, Oh, someone else trusted yeah. them to, uh, you know, to put them in their, you know, thing that they care about so much, you know, um, I'm not saying it has to be, but it just, it definitely helps, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's influenced me. I've never thought about mm. that. I, I I think in some ways I might see something that's shot crappily with a good actor in it and be like, yeah. oh, wow, I just discovered gold yeah. and no one else has. <laughs> like, ah, yeah. score. Yeah. So I, let's see, I got my theatrical agent. Here's my, oh, shit, I don't know where to start. Because I'm in a different position now. I'm not a new actor anymore. <laughs> So I'm 13 years into it out here in L.A., and it's different now. I have two kids. Um, like the the veneer wore off several years ago. Mm. And so I like to book work, but it doesn't have the same sort of like now it's great. I booked work. I can pay for the mortgage and have food and hopefully retire someday. Whereas in the old days, it was, ooh, maybe I'll get discovered off this Nabisco commercial. Oh, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a good point. When you were moving out to L.A., like, what was your mindset? And where did know. you think this was all going to I can't even up? remember what I was thinking. I just knew I had to do it. Did you want to be famous? Sure. Like, There's what a kind se- of famous? I think you have to have this self-delusion where you're like, not only 
do I want to be famous, but I believe I'm supposed to be famous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think when you come out here, there's this like, well, well, everything that worked at home and then in my, in the slightly larger arena of college and then the slightly larger arena of like going to do improv in Chicago is all that stuff that worked in those places going to translate to the, the show as it were. Yeah. I'm losing the analogy from right. baseball. No, I totally get what you're saying. That's like, actually, I, I feel that. What was complicated or difficult for me was I got to a point where I booked a pilot. Um, I'm assuming everybody knows what that means. Who's listening to your show? Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, they, they can look it up and, if they don't. <laughs> okay, great. What that means is I went to flight school. And after working very hard for several years, I was able to Fly operate plane. an aircraft. <laughs> So I booked a pilot. Is this the pilot that was a remake of a famous British show? Yes. This, this was like Peep Show. Peep, Peep Show. Oh, yeah. Which is a remake of the cult favorite uh, BBC uh, show. BBC just seems to only make cult hits. They don't, I don't know what else they make <laughs> other than cult And hits. Doctor well, Who. Th- just to, to stop for a second, this is why I wanted to talk to you because I feel like I've known you as long as I've been at the agency. Like I've been at the agency about as long as you've been acting in really? LA. Yeah. And so I've always, like, since I met you, thought that you were going to be, like, some breakout star, and I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> so one of the reasons <laughs> I want to talk is kind of find out, like, what happened? Like, why why hasn't it happened? Well, I'll and walk so, you like, through this is, Yeah, like, this Peep Show is, like, I, I remember you and Rob telling, or you and Brad telling me about Peep Show, and you guys thought it was going to, like, take off because it was such a famous British show. Uh-huh. Why wouldn't it I, so, take off so it, too? So I was lucky enough to book the show, which was a feed end itself. So I was lucky. I, again, you sort of, I figured, I was like, okay, this is my break. This is it. This is the break. Mm-hmm. Everybody talks about their break and this one's mine. So I, Brad got me in the door to, to, to audition for the show. And it went well, possibly because I was too dumb to screw it up. <laughs> Um, by thinking about it too much, because I had never been in the room. It was at comedy. Like, I had to go park and go to Comedy Central, which was like, it was at one of those places where you'd, I'd take my shitty car <laughs> to a valet and yeah. go inside. Um, my The car, I was, I was driving this 95 Honda Civic that I had gotten into an accident. It was someone else's fault. But then I took the insurance check and couldn't bring myself to use it to fix the, <laughs> the battle damage. Wow. So I ended up pocketing the check um, and driving around with this car that had this rumpled, shitty damage on the side. Anyway, so I was like, I got in the room. I got to go see uh, Dylan Kidd. Did you guys ever see the movie Roger Dodger? No. Yes. It was an indie movie in 02, something like that. Or Yeah, it was like 02, I think. Uh, I really loved the movie. The older man teaches a younger man how to pick up women. Basically, yeah. And it's um, Dylan Kidd directed it, and he directed this pilot. So it was like, it was so cool. I was like in the room with a director doing the kind of shit I was, loved. And and that, lo and behold, uh, we booked it. We had to jump through some hoops. The network was really nervous because Brad and I are both nobodies. But mm-hmm. to be honest, that was all they could afford. <laughs> uh, was nobody's and um we booked it and shot it and and then it didn't get picked up but i figured like it doesn't matter you know now i'm now i can get in the room that's 
in my mind, I was like, that's all that's missing is me getting in the room. And once people see me, then we're going to, because I told you there's that magical thinking when you come to, <laughs> to LA. Right. I just need the opportunity. I just need them to see me and that's, that'll be it. Mm-hmm. Put me in coach. And then, um, but then, so I got a reps, I got a manager and I finally got to start auditioning for stuff and nothing happened. I just, it was Did just you get another pilot? silence. I couldn't get, I got a little bit of traction, like one or two little callbacks, but I just, I took some general, what they call general meetings where you go and meet big casting directors and, oh, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. execs in charge of talent. And it just didn't happen. And I, I'll, to like my grave, I will go back, I will rehash my decision on the reps that I chose. Um, cause I went with a smaller company manager because they sort of seemed to give a shit more than the big name manager mm-hmm. that I went to. That was like, I mean, they didn't even throw together a meeting. They, they right, offered yeah. reps, but they didn't really, what was it? They weren't particularly excited. Whereas the smaller company was like rolled out the red carpet and they were like, you know, all three of them were there waiting to talk and, you know. Yeah, yeah, that seems like the better choice to me. And, like, I see people all the time that are, like, you know, rep by big agents. Like, you know, it'll be an unknown director whose other clients are, like, J.J. Abrams or, yeah. you know, whatever these huge, huge directors. And they're, like, you know, bottom of the list. It's like, why would you want that agent as your agent? Right. They're not going to give you shit ever. Like, why Why would that be cool? You know, so I I think your decision makes sense to me. That like that seems it like may, the logical that's, that choice. That was my thinking at the time, and I, who knows? I don't fucking know. Uh, but I <laughs> so that I I stayed with them for a while, and then one season went pilot season went by, and then another. I wrote a pilot with a friend of mine that Timothy read, um, uh-huh. and couldn't get a single like meeting off, not even like a courtesy meeting off of it. So and why so didn't it, you just make it yourself then? At that point, well, because uh, I wasn't interested in doing that. Uh, I wanted okay. to be on the track of like a actually getting into development and mm-hmm. um, what was I going to say? So uh, the point I was trying to make is that I didn't even get a single meeting off it. I, I think at that point, my response shouldn't have been, gosh, we need to write a better script. And it probably should have been, all right, it's time for a new representation. Mm. Um, but that's like a, but whatever that's hindsight is 2020, but every time that I saw you in something, it was always a TV commercial. Mm-hmm. So was, are there TV commercial careers that break out into something else or are TV commercials their own thing that are really just kind of like a, for a lot of actors? In very rare out? instances, it can be a stepping stone, but for the most part, it's its own end. What I like about doing TV commercials is you get to meet directors that you wouldn't get to meet otherwise. And uh, you meet some interesting directors who are all that are not. They're like you. They're not. They didn't come out here to be a commercial director. They came out here to make movies. Um, So those are contacts you make so that when they're working on stuff, they might call you in for other things. So that aspect of it is great. But it's not people don't get discovered off of TV commercial, whatever. I'm sure there's an exception to that rule I just said, but. So, but I get the reason I'm asking is you're, cause I guess I'm looking at like perception wise, the work that you're doing in TV commercials is not like your whole focus because you know that that's just, it's, it, it, it begins and ends with Correct. commercials. And you, if you want to do TV or movies, you have to be pursuing that separately, in a, in a different path. Yeah. Gotcha. Now that, that yeah. 
for the most part, it's there's very little crossover. It's good practice. Shooting a TV commercial is more like shooting a tiny movie than a tiny TV show. Mm, um, right. A hundred percent. Um, I'm stuck on Ulrich's question about like, why didn't we just make the TV show? I think the reason is, I think the instance of making a show and then getting it picked up from there is very rare. Now there Mm. is the joy of making the thing that you wrote and that's fine, but that's the end of it. Um, unless you're making like a web series in which that you can now, obviously the line's blurring now. Now you could make a web series that's relatively inexpensive that can get paid for with ad revenue or whatever. I've never turned any profit on anything on YouTube, but um, these kids seem to be doing that. Kids these days. (laughs) Well, it just seems like everything's a long shot, right? Like every way you go, it's, there's no like proven, there's no like guaranteed like success story necessarily. It's not like every time you do this, it results in what you want. Right. Right. You know, even if you make something, if you're like, you know, trying to, you know, pitch a show, if you're trying to, you know, go on an audition, like everything is like iffy. So, you know, I think for me, what's interesting about talking to an actor about this is because I think from a filmmaking standpoint, from like a director standpoint, you're not always face to face with your competition and you don't always know how many other people are out there doing it. And so I think you can delude yourself into thinking that there's less competition than there is. But as an actor, when you're going in for auditions and you see like a a hallway filled with people that are a similar spec to you, you really get the sense that like, I don't worry about that. I used to enjoy, I used, I I started out being intimidated by the rooms full of other actors in commercial rooms. And then I started booking over the people who I saw in the room who I thought like, Oh, that guy's, that's the right guy. He's so much better than me. There was a, there was definitely a certain joy to, even it was, even if it was a fucking cheese, you know, some stupid consequenceless cheese commercial, (laughs) there was a certain like ego teasing joy to like, booking over the person you assumed was better than you um mm. and i it, yeah. i imagine it's the feeling of dunking over someone's head um in the nba <laughs> um that yeah. that's a joy i haven't felt that that was a certain joy and fun um but even that's changed now i the com- timothy you know this the commercials are changed now they don't make them as much mm-hmm. they don't have the same yep. high profile that they used to I mean, not that it was that high of it was a commercial for God's sake, but they don't, the <laughs> money isn't in them as much. I'm sure you've seen this, Timothy, right. the budgets are going way down on the TV commercials. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, less and less. Money. Um, the ad budgets are still there, right? They're just not putting it in TV. They're still there. I mean, compared to a lot of things, I mean, you tell Alric what a budget is on a commercial and he's like, dude, I could go shoot a right. feature for that. I guess what so I mean, like- when I say bu- ad budget, I mean uh, their advertising budget. That's across all platforms right it's still there right it's just not in tv or what um i don't know holistically how how clients are spending their money but i from the standpoint of being a commercial producer like the money that we used to see for ads has definitely gone down like to produce a 30 second ad Mm. it's much cheaper now than it was when i i feel like it's cheaper now than it was when i started man so I, I don't know how we got on this. expectations for how much they want to spend is much less. So Oh, so I was saying how the industry changed. So the commercials are changing. Um, I'm in this weird position right now where I'm like, I don't know. I got here. I made it to L.A. Mm-hmm. 
if you make it to LA and shoot one commercial, you've beaten a zillion odds that <laughs> right. if you're, if you're from, I mean, I, I wouldn't have ever allowed myself to believe that it was possible except quietly, secretly alone in my bedroom as a child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so technically I've come out here and I've beaten the odds and made a living doing a thing that I love, but now I got there and now I've mm-hmm. sort of reached this plateau and I'm sort of like, Oh, I don't, what do I do now? Like I've come <laughs> too far to go back and <laughs> right. to go backwards, <laughs> but I don't really know what forwards is. And so I'm sort of like, Oh boy. Um, I think I'm in a midlife crisis. Yeah, yeah. This now? I, I think I'm in a midlife crisis <laughs> yeah. right now. The problem is, I know from experience, I've worked day jobs, and I know I can't do it. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm not totally sure. What you do in L.A. is you scramble and you figure it out. Um, so I have a friend who... I don't know how this shit works, but like it makes somehow pitches and makes reality shows. So he's always, <laughs> he's like offered to be like, well, put together some pitches and send them to me for reality shows, which I never watch. Um, so there's like, there's that there's, um, I'm still sort of like working on writing some TV scripts because who knows, maybe, I'll get in a writer's room. I would really like to do that, to be honest. That would be really fun. That's the one day job I would really love to do. Because um, mm. uh, writing on a TV show, you get to you get to go and collaborate and um, build a script together. But that's a whole other career that you have to sort of like claw your way into. And I already clawed my way into one career in the acting side. I'm not 22. I can't go back to, you know, do what you to sleeping on the pavement to get into on the right. ground floor of another career. So I, yeah. Um, so there's, I, I just got to sort of check out. I, and like, there's this writing I'm doing now. I write treatments for a commercial director. Um, so I'll just do whatever I got to do. I don't know. Focus just changes too. I have two kids. And so obviously that takes up time and attention. So I don't know. I've gone off the rails here. What kind of <laughs> acting would you be like? If you could be do, doing any kind of acting, like what would you be doing? So Ulrich, I don't have an answer for you. I know what I would have answered <laughs> in the past. Um, yeah. I want to do comedic stuff. That's what I really well, love to do. Doesn't it seem like? Like to me, like a character, like character actor type stuff seems like, you know, something that's always in need, right? Like for TV shows or for mm-hmm. movies or for whatever, like they always need the guy who can like play a, you know, what, whatever, like a criminal or the, the whacked out this guy or like the off edge that guy or whatever. Yeah. Like there seems like there's plenty of need for like these offshoot little characters, like, wouldn't that be something that you'd want to go after? I don't yeah. know. Like, or are you just like, no, oh, no, commercials I, all I want? No, I, commercials are not all I want. I will go out for, I, I should make something very clear here to any high profile agents listening. I will go out. <laughs> I hear a lot of agents listening to the show. Uh, I, I'll, go, I'll do anything. I will do anything. Right. I love doing, I'm good at doing comedy and I'm good at doing character stuff and I'm good at being sarcastic guy. Um, 
and it's not that I'm turning down auditions or turning down roles. It's um, right. <laughs> no, I guess it's just you know when you when you're talking about someone else's career, it's always really easy to be like, why don't you just do? Why this? don't you just focus on this and just do this, and then yeah. you you've got it, and it's no problem. This isn't unique to me, but among comedic types, the family is always like, you should do that Saturday Night Live. That's what you should do. <laughs> right, right. You know what yeah. you should do. You know what you should do my, is one of those Academy Award winning films. That's what you should do. My, my my friends are just like, you know what you should do, Ark? You should do a Netflix show. It's like, well, yeah, I'd love to do a fucking Netflix show. How the hell do I do that? Yeah, I would love to. How do, Great. How do you oh, make do you that know? Happen? Do you know where the where do we do those? Yeah. yeah, where do I submit for my Netflix show? Give them a call. Be like, hey, my friends thought that I'd be a good fit. So I'm just calling to see if there's a show maybe yeah. I can direct. So you guys make movies. That's a whole other ball of cheese. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that's the way to put it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I feel that's like there's... That's why I say... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I feel like there's a lot of overlap between our experiences and, uh, you know, I'm hearing a lot of it in the way that, that you're talking. But that's that's what's interests me most. We've never had an actor on the show. So I kind of wanted to hear, like, what what is it like on to be an actor? Like, OK, so let me give you a day to day. Yeah, day to day. Like how many auditions? How do right. you get those auditions? Right. How does it work? So the day to day is I have a commercial agent, a voiceover agent and a theatrical agent. And. For voiceover, so voiceover is another alternative source of income that you can get if you can get an agent. The great thing about voiceover is I record most 99%, 95% of my auditions from home. The bad part about that is so does everybody else. So anyone can audition for voiceover <laughs> and 10,000 people will submit an audition for an AM, a local AM radio commercial in Texas. So there's very little success rate on those. That's a pain in the ass. It's just annoying because you just piss things, these things out into the, into the ether and never hear anything. Well, yeah. And on my end, I'm, I will listen to maybe 300 voices God. to cast one. That's so stupid. It's because anybody, it's because yeah. all it takes is now, if you were seeing people, you wouldn't see 300 because that's insane. Or maybe you would. No, but we would see, we would watch casting tapes for, a hundred people and for one role and then call back 20 right. of them. Um, and then from time to time, I'll have an in-house audition. Um, those are always better because fewer people get to read for them and you actually get some kind of feedback in the booth from the people recording you. Yeah. And, and how, how many and the other benefit is that? sometimes that's my only like social interaction is like, Oh, thank God I have to leave the house today to go to this fucking <laughs> fruit loops this local $200 through Fruit Loops commercial. Cause I get to get at the fuck out of the house today. Thank God. <laughs> there is something to that. Like sometimes that's my creative outlet for the day or my performance outlet for the day is I get to go read some dumb copy and I never, yeah. I'm always grateful for it. Um, anyway, so there's that's voiceover for commercials. I have a commercial agent. All the submissions are online now. Um, they, at your agent, your agent has your pictures online and casting notices come to them online and then they submit their people. I'm lucky in that I have a priority position at my agency, I think. Um, and my agency has a priority position for my type, I think. 
so that with certain casting directors, the casting director might just ask for me or mm-hmm. they'll say to my agent, just send your three best people for this role. Whereas other lower mm. level commercial agencies, like they'll submit their people and may or may not, and they have lesser chance of getting someone in for a role. So I'm lucky in that I have a good agency and a good reputation with my, over time I've built a reputation with the casting directors. So I get to get out more than I think than um, newer folks. And how many times a week is that? For a commercial agency. Oh shit. It depends. Maybe a couple times a mm-hmm. week, zero to three times a week. Okay. <laughs> but then when you, zero to three. then when you factor in like callbacks, it can be more or less. Let's just say you do a hundred auditions a year. How many of those are you actually booking? Going to callbacks and booking? If I had to guess a percentage of callbacks, I'd say, oh gosh, that's a hard one. A one in three, something like that. That's mm-hmm. an estimate. I'm always surprised at how little I can tell whether I'm going to get a callback or not. Um, the thing I always have to, I, I've been doing this for 13 years and I still have to remind myself it is not my job to decide whether I'm right for anything that I am auditioning for. I am always mm-hmm. wrong. <laughs> I have been wrong so <laughs> many times. That powerless thing I auditioned for, uh, the, the description in the script was a John Slattery type. Um, I am not a John Slattery type. Um, but I went in and did a British accent for fun. The character's name was Archibald Stylus. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's a TV example. But for commercials, like I'm always thinking, I'm always, you have this tendency as an actor to be like, oh, I'm not right for this. What's the point? I shouldn't. And you have to shut that the fuck up. If there are any actors listening, you have to shut it the fuck up. It is not your job to cast this commercial. It is your job to go in and show them your version of this stupid ice cream eating idiot that you're auditioning for. <laughs> That's your that, job. Do you go in and try to guess what you the, have? You what don't they want guess. To see? You maybe you can, but you have to bet big. You have to go. You have to not worry about. If you worry about getting it right, your booking percentage will go down. You have to so you just go with your own interpretation. Of you it. have to, you have to go, double down on whatever I have to double down on Rob. I can't milk mm. toast it and try to make it. Well, this is what a dad. No, because you won't book as something that you're not. You cannot book. There are too many people auditioning for these things. You can't. Mm. I can't book as a, the fucking handsome guy. I have quirk. I'm not a straight up. So I can't go in there and try to be normal. Or whatever the fuck that yeah. is. <laughs> like you're not going to go in there and try to be Dean Martin or no, anything. Like you're you're going to just go in there and like look, do if your we own. Were in, if we were in the local market Idaho commercial, like maybe I could, what do you call it? Uh, middle of the road it. You can't. Yeah. I can't do that here. That's why I right. don't worry when I, I don't get intimidated anywhere walking into audition rooms, especially for commercial. Because I'm like, nobody in here can do Rob, period. That doesn't mean... I am better or that I'm or whatever. It just means like no one can do, no one can steal my stuff. No one. What is, what is Rob? I don't, where does that look at the tapes? (laughs) I don't have a, (laughs) I can't tell you what it is. Cause if I had a sense of it, then I would know more often whether I was going to book commercials. 
I just know that I have a sense of humor that's unique to me. I couldn't, I can't define it for you. That's the job of my agents. Yeah, but it's not something that you've curated and said, this is my brand. It's yourself and the experiences you've had in your life. Mm -hmm. Being a writer and being a director, it's the same thing. It's your own point of view on things. Yes, and you also have to be mindful of market, whatever, and somehow still let go of it. Now, I'm telling you this right (laughs) now, and I'm paralyzed as a writer half the time because I keep judging everything I'm putting on paper. What does that mean, mindful of of market? what people are buying right now. I don't know. I, I, everything I thought was right <laughs> was wrong as a writer. And in the last five, four years, mm-hmm. I, I talked about this period where I like, I thought I was going to like, okay, I'm here. Now my spaceship is coming to take me to the moon. And it didn't have, I'm using this. I heard a speech from John Hodgman once about he said like one day his spaceship showed up and said, all right, it's time for you to go. And that's like when he booked the Mac commercial and became John Hodgman that everybody knows. And I really took to that notion um, that so in the last four years or so, like my spaceship didn't come. And now I sort of lo- shook my creative joy. And so it made it harder I might, I might be just telling myself a story right now, but I feel like I lost my mojo as far as writing and stuff goes because I'm so stuck on like, well, this won't sell. This isn't the thing people are looking for. Mm. Right. Well, I think what you said earlier about your acting is like doubly true for your writing, right? Like you just got to go in and bring it your own thing to it. Yes. You can't predict. You can't be what everyone else Ulrich, wants you to be. You have to just be but, yourself. That's the only thing that's going to work. Ulrich, how many times have you read you know? a friend's script who's like who t- who says what you just said, and then you read their <laughs> script and you're like, "This is so specific to you," or "This is a turd," or something. You're deluding yourself, <laughs> right? Has, yeah. has it happened right. because you're not aware of the world in which you're living? I, there is some kind of balance you have to strike. Yeah, but I mean, there's a difference to be like aware of the world that you live in and trying to write for somebody else or trying to write to make it be like something that is going to sell. Like, I think those are two different things. Like, you definitely have to be aware of the of the world around you. But I don't think you you want to be writing trying to think, oh, this is going to be the hot right. You're thing. Correct. You can't write with a result in mind. Except here's what I don't get. Like. There are TV writers who write with a result in mind. I mean, that they know what they're doing. Um, so I, I don't know what the ba- – there is a balance. I don't know where it is. Well, they're also in a writer's room, right, which is different experience than being closed off, one or um, two people working on something. Not, not when they're writing new pilots and stuff. I mean, yeah. like, people I know who are writing for TV, like, then they get some kind of weird deal where they're like, okay, you have to you have to give us two – pilot scripts in the next year or whatever it is. Right. I kind of admire this. I heard a friend was telling me about this recently. Like he's like, it's very lonely. You got to go home and go do it. You have to do that same process you've always done, except now you're getting paid. I feel like a lot of things in the film business are just like lonely occupations. And there's like just little moments where you're actually with people. It's a very collaborative business, but the actual collaboration happens over a short period of time relative to all the other lonely Yeah, that, parts. that's right. what's killing me right now. I, If you were to ask me what I would, my ideal work right now would be collaborating. I really don't like, 
I love writing. I do not like writing. <laughs> I love yeah. writing, but I really hate it. I don't like being alone. I, I, so I don't. Mean. I don't get it's it. Love hate relationship. You should start a podcast. Yeah, you should. I think it would help you. My you idea know? for a podcast was. So my wife is biracial, and she she's like uh, her dad is black, her mom's white, and we have by definition biracial kids. Who I don't know if you'd be able to tell Ooh. by seeing them. Um, and she teaches a class on basically on inherent bias in all kinds of different arenas. And so everyone in the class is taught by the end of their class, like, here's the ways in which you are biased racially, you know, mm. orient, sexual orientation, whatever it is, able-bodiedness or whatever it is. Um, the base of the class is like, here's why you're racist. <laughs> and we get into these arguments all the time. Generally, I end up putting my foot in my mouth. But I wanted to do a podcast about like the arguments we have about race. Uh, where I'm always Dude, I wrong. love that. That's great. Because that shit is <laughs> yeah, that shit is hot button. Um, yeah. Anyway, we're off is. topic here. That's my podcast. And it's so idea. deep. No, it's so deep seated in culture. It is. Too, I that. constantly am saying things where I'm like, oh god, I just said that. Well, Rob, I can hear the uh, the existential crisis in the way you're talking right now, and it sounds like you're a little lost. Um, Isn't that where like- you're supposed to be, though? No, not necessarily. Uh, that, that's okay. that's my question is, do you think that there is a way to avoid getting to that place? Because I, I think you've been doing this for a while. And I think I'm a in a midlife crisis. I think on top of everything, I think I'm in a midlife crisis. When do you mm-hmm. have midlife crisis? What's the age range for that? Well, it used to be 40, but now I think it's moved to like closer to 50. Okay, so maybe I'm in a pre-midlife <laughs> crisis. Um, because... Alric asked me earlier, what acting would you like to be doing? Like, I don't, here's the thing. I know I'm not doing what I want to be doing. Yeah. I shouldn't even say that. That's, that might not even be true, but I don't know what my, I don't even know anymore what my ideal thing would be. Yeah. I'm, I need I'm to go on one of those. Place. Do you guys know what ayahuasca is? Yeah. Uh-huh. I need to go on one of those. It's going to go purge out, your like, soul. What's that? Go, go purge your soul. Purge my soul. Yeah. Figure out what the thing is. Um, that's what I need. Yeah. Cause like to me, the key is, it's very simple, but it's extremely hard to do. Right. It's like figure out the thing that you want to do and then just focus all your energy into making that thing happen. Uh, and that's what I'm trying to do right now, but it's really hard. Like I know what I want to do, but it's like, you do. Fuck, dude. So what do you want to do? I want to make a, my, my feature film. I want to make my feature film the alternate. That's what I want to do. What? Um, um, but I don't have the budget I need to do that. Yeah, I think the thing that happens though is like once you've accomplished your goals, like you know, Rob has moved to LA and he made a career being an actor. And I feel like in some ways I'm in a similar situation as being an agency producer. Is like you've kind of achieved some goal that you've set out to do, and then you're in that position, and then you're like, okay, well, I don't know what's next. I know I want something else, but like, what's the next mountain to climb? And like, what? How, well, I do, mean, I, I, I don't know what that will be after I make the yeah, alternate, exactly. but I know that there's like other things I want to, other t- stories I want to tell that like, I could probably tell you now, like what I think would be next, mm-hmm. but then when I actually get there, what will actually be next? I don't know. But I think you're, but, you're assuming that you'll want to still make movies after you make your first one. You might get to the end well, of that first one and be like, you know what? 
it's not what I thought it would be, or this really that, broke my heart, and I'm, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. Well, the, the only reason why I think that is because it, that's been true with the short film. So, like, I, I didn't know mm-hmm. at the beginning of making my first short film if I wanted to make movies after that. Then I did it, and, and then I did want to keep on making movies. Then I made three more short films. And now I still want to make short films, but I really want to make a feature film. So it's mm-hmm. like, well, I think that once I make the feature film, it'll be the same is, is my assumption. Yeah. But you're right. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll want to like, you know, get some editing job somewhere and just work in yeah. an office nine to five. And knows? I just wonder yeah. if if it's just inevitable that at any for anybody, uh, once they've achieved their goal, if the at a certain point it becomes a job like that's. That's what I'm hearing from you, Rob, is that it's just it's become a job now. And you said the yeah. veneer veneer has worn off. And so when it does just become a job and you realize it's just become a job, is that a bad thing or is that mean you need to move on to the next thing? Because my job is definitely just a job right now. And I'm like, I'm I want to move on to something else. But uh, at the same your time, bosses are listening right now. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> they know this. I tell them this. But I don't know what to do next. I don't know where I go from here. Well, Timothy, I always thought I watched the 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 God, what's the name of the dog? My eight my manager used to refer to it as dog fucker. Yeah. <laughs> Rob Rob was in my movie Man's Best Friend. Man's Best Friend. Good AKA job by the, I, by the way Rob. That's man, a, thank that was a you. solid job. Like Man's movie. Best Friend looked so great. Yeah. Um and I was like, "Oh, why Timothy can I assumed like that would happen and then you'd like sort of like sort of wiggle your way into like commercial directing." Yeah. Well, that did the commercial happen. directing thing. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing some commercial <laughs> directing, but I haven't pursued it uh, full on because I just don't I don't think it's really nec- what I want to do and I think I think that would become more of a job than any other thing that I'm pursuing because but I thought that would be like a, a that's a, I feel well whatever this is another per- outsiders yeah. assuming something but I always yeah. thought like being a commercial director is a stair step to TV and movies right you would yeah it seems like it it could be but i don't think but i'm saying that and like the guy i write treatments for is you know bumping his head on the ceiling because he's having a hard time sort of wheedling into either of those things yeah Yeah. i guess what i the conclusion i've made is if i want to do movies then i should just make movies and i think you can get lost in trying to do the whole path thing like oh i'm going to use the path of commercial directing to get to movies and then you get like stuck on the path of commercial directing and then you just never make your movie so i'm using my job right now is like it's just a job as the the launching pad for just making a movie because i know it's just a job and and i think part of not being happy in it makes me even hungrier to to go to go make the movie but i think if i did commercial directing i would get really distracted with it and i would fool myself into thinking that i had fulfilled what i really wanted to do but it's it would be fake and then i'd wake up in like 15 years going oh shit i just sunk 15 years on commercial directing here's two things one i have two questions one is i hear this story a lot where people get to our Ulrich. i don't know how old you are I'm a little younger than than Timothy. Okay. So people who get to our age, Timothy and I, and you kind of, what is it? You sort of end up in a, not necessarily in a bad way, but you end up sort of, 
what is it, diverging or you end up in a world or life, career, whatever it is that's slightly divergent mm-hmm. from where you started at, started in going after. Yeah, um, right. And I'm trying to figure out, like, is there a version of that for me? Like a, like a different career that you guys would diverge to? Yeah. Or like the thing or I veer off into? Or... Yeah. Well, like for me, the thing that I think about a lot is, like, had I gone to school in L.A., and graduated from an <laughs> LA film school and then started working in LA and worked myself up into the industry right out of college rather than sticking around San Francisco, going to school in San Francisco, sticking around here. I did a shit job for like two and a half years before I started working at the ad agency. And I just kind of happened in the ad, ad agency and then used that as like, oh my God, I can like make stuff here. So I'm just going to like pursue a career inside this cool place. But had I been more strategic about it, I might have ended up in a very different place, especially in L.A. too. Right. So I, I th- often think about that like decision early uh-huh. on not to, to go to L.A. for film school. Well, I but I think that those kinds of thoughts are irrelevant, right? Because you can't go back in time right. and change it. So it's more like, well, like if that's really something that you think and you believe then, you know, it's, it isn't too late, even at 35 or 38 or 40 even, or even 45, like whatever. Like, it's never too late to go and, and discover that for yourself. You know, mm-hmm. like you can always just go and make that move. I know it's harder uh, the older you are, right? But, I mean, it's not like impossible. Like, you know, you could totally do that. Um, well, it's like Rob was saying, you, you know, you claw your way into one aspect of the industry. And then when you get older, you're like, oh, do I want to do that again? Mm-hmm. Do I want to sleep in my friend's couches and, right. you know, hit the pavement and just struggle to, to get by just to make that happen? Ulrich, I think the en- the engine for doing that thing that you're talking about requires this like this unrequited love that's been there. And it is very clear <laughs> and yeah. bright and pure mm-hmm. and clear. And that's, that's a, that to me, that's a rare commodity now. It's uh, precious, but not always there. Um, right. You mean to have the love of the thing that you're To pursuing? know exactly what that thing is, to have a moment of clarity right. and know, oh shit. Cause that could fuel you through that. Cause right now for me, I'm not considering doing this, but for me to go, if I were like, I'm going to go back to film and do film school. Like I have two kids. Um, and I got to pay, I say rent, I'm paying mortgage. Um, that is right. That's a big deal. I'm just saying that like, rather than going to film school, like, let's say you wanted to like, you know, like the, let's assume the goal of film school would be to like, be able to make your own thing and get it out into the world or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can do that now. Like we can all do that. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't go to film school for that. Especially you being in LA with all the connections you have. Like, I'm sure you could like you know, gather your friends together or, or contacts and, and go make a, a 30 minute pilot or a 20 minute pilot you guys, or whatever you want. You to guys do. represent 90% of my contacts. <laughs> That's not true. That's obviously not, That's not true. true. <laughs> but, um, uh, my question I had, I had two quite, one was the one I just brought up. My question is Ulrich, um, and Timothy, like, would you ever consider, Here's what I've heard about making movies. If you're making an indie movie, the, there's two ways to actually make your money back. One is to have boobies in it because you can sell overseas. <laughs> uh-huh. They love um, boobies. Mm. I already have a movie with booby, boobies in okay, it. Okay, so. that's good. Uh, or, doing, or doing something like horror uh, because the genre stuff right. apparently um, 
can sell, especially well, wherever. So if you could, if either of you consider like pitching it down the middle, I don't want to call that down the middle, but I mean like uh, going in the crowd pleasing direction or whatever it is, doing mm. your version of that thing that you know might sell better or something like that. Yeah, I've considered it. I think that where I ended up with is that I'm not willing to do this job if I'm not super passionate about it. Like, I'm not going to be just a gun for hire. I'm not going to use my talents for something that I don't truly believe in, which I think is a big reason why I have a hard time really jumping over to the commercial world because I just don't think I'm passionate enough about doing commercials. Um, And so, yeah, like for a while I did did say, like, I'm just going to take any movie that comes my way, like no matter how crappy it Mm -hmm. is, I'm just going to do it. And the more I think about it, the more the more I realize I just don't think that I have that in me. And so then I, I have that question of like, well, how much am, how passionate am I about filmmaking in general? Because I think passion is defined by how much you're willing to sacrifice in order to achieve your goal. Basically, if someone said to me, Ulrich, here's a horror script. Uh, you get paid, uh, you know, whatever, uh, five dollars an hour or less to direct this thing um it's bloody there's boobs whatever will you make this movie um i would say yes absolutely <laughs> right what i'm meaning like would you make would you write that script and go after making that yeah. movie and go push it for yeah go push it forward and try to raise the money and put together the the package like you're doing with the alternate what kind of movie is the alternate the alternate's like a sci-fi thriller so it's it's definitely not as like juicy um you know, a genre movie as what you're describing, but I think uh-huh. it's, it's pretty close, you know? Um, yeah, we're not too far. Not off, too Rob. far. Like we, we do both like genre yeah. films. Yeah. But we're not like making slasher movies with boobies just to like get a say. Right. I did this, um, low budget feature, uh, with a friend and it sort of accidentally discovered this second life on Amazon streaming based i believe mm-hmm. based solely on its cover image which is <laughs> what's me it called and yeah, i believe it's it. called what other couples do mm. and let's look it up the movie's good i just what i mean as far as it it's success based on this poster image of what appears to be two people either undressed or scantily dressed on uh, on a bed like wrestling around Oh, yeah, there you um, go. And so there's this, like, implication of some <laughs> hanky And there is a little bit. I don't want to ruin any... For anyone who wants to see the movie, I don't want to ruin any surprises. But, um, And I think as a result of that, it's sort of helped it get some uh, views on Amazon. So that's why I was thinking about it's that. It's like the Skinamax of Amazon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I have to I have to run to work. So okay. let's wrap this up in in some way. Like what what when you when I said will you come on the podcast and talk about what it's like to be an actor? Like what was your first thought? What did you want to come on and say? I thought I was like, oh, I should bring up something about the union because you guys talk about the unions on one episode and I didn't talk about it. At all. <laughs> That's okay. Um, you guys are asking. You want to talk about like what's it like to be an actor day to day? We didn't really talk about the theatrical stuff, unfortunately. Um, but to me, my thesis statement is this, like I got here and now what? That's kind of like my position right now is like, Oh, now what? I'm not panicked, but I am like, 
I don't have a plan or a direction for the next five years uh, of my life, other than keeping the children alive. Mm. I think it's interesting because, yeah, I think we've talked to a lot of people that are either at the beginning of their career or still looking off into like what their career is going to be. Like, I think Alric and I and the feature film side are definitely like imagining what our careers are going to be after we make our first feature film or like what it's going to be like over the next 10 or 20 years as we try to get multiple films made. But to hear somebody who's like made it to the other end, and I'm hoping we can talk to other people that have done that in different areas of filmmaking is it natural for you just to feel like at a certain point you've done it and you've made it and now what um or are are there people that get there and just like no one ever thinks i don't think anybody ever thinks like i did it i'm done yeah i guess that's what i'm looking for especially as an actor i think you're always sort of like well what do you think about like somebody like steven spielberg or martin scorsese that like just masters of their of their craft. Do you think that they ever feel like I did it? I'm here and I'm doing it and I'm totally satisfied. I don't know. That's a tough one. I know that every actor I know is five minutes away from a panic attack. (laughs) No matter how successful they are. Yeah. Except for like Brad Pitt. I think he's, I think Brad Pitt is confident enough. He doesn't worry about it, but everybody else. (laughs) Brad Pitt, I'm sure has his own struggles and his own, his own panic about things. Right. Right. The one thing we didn't talk about is acting in conjunction with like indie stuff, which I've done plenty of, and I wish I had brought that up. But, anyways. Well, we're out of time, but we'll we'll do it again on another yeah, one. Yeah, absolutely. Do you need an outro of some kind? Yeah, all work is going to take us out. Well, first, okay. Rob, where where can we find your stuff? Like, do you have a website that you want to share? Do you? Have- I have a website at uh, robchestersmith.com, Oddly enough. <laughs> <laughs> and then are you on Twitter? Are you on Facebook? Like where can people reach out to you and, and, you know, uh, you can reach out to me at it's, uh, the, um, I think there's contact information at robchestersmith.com, but also on Twitter at, at Rob Chester Smith. Nice. Easy to remember. And then and, do you have any um, work that you want people to watch? Like anything that's out there right now oh, that people shit. can check out? Like I said, coming up, Maybe an episode of Powerless, but who knows? <laughs> Unfortunately, I keep telling people on social media, like, okay, my episode's tonight, and then it doesn't air. That's so funny. Um, oh, and you, can, Rob can be seen now on a Dole Fruit Cup commercial. Oh, yeah? As the idiot using Brand X. Oh, really? Is <laughs> the poor sap using the shitty, shitty off-brand Fruit Cup. You just stuck with the wrong Fruit Cup, huh? Uh, yeah, I'm a real yeah. That's funny. stuck with the wrong fruit cup. Um, cool. Well, any last words before I take us out, gentlemen? Yeah, that was depressing. I got nothing. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for depressing me. You're welcome. <laughs> I don't think it was depressing. I think it was just another insight into like what it's like, like what it's like. You know, like we all go through the struggles. We all go through the pain. No matter how much success we have, you know, like no matter. Like I like Rob's like writing regularly on a TV show and mm-hmm. going on auditions, um, you know, on a regular basis and booking things on a regular basis, and yet he's still having this existential crisis. It's like you know, like we're gonna get to success, but you know, we're always gonna have um, other things that we're sh- that we're striving for, and I think that's the point, you know, that the strive the struggle never ends. It's just in a different form. 
Right. You don't get to the top of the mountain and be like, great, done. I'm finished. You get to the top of the mountain and be like, all right, well, now what? Now what do I do? Where do mm-hmm. I go from here? And yeah. yeah, your dream will change and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're like saying, oh, you're paying a mortgage or, or whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, well, you own a house. Like, you know, Timothy and I both don't own houses. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you, you've turned your acting into owning a house. Like that's pretty fucking cool. You yeah, know, it is um, cool. And a lot of people, most people, in fact, probably can't say that. So uh, I had some so, help. Yeah, I don't know. I had, to be fair, I had some help. Right. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways, I don't know. I'm just trying to say, like, let's let's not walk away from this conversation feeling depressed, people. Let's. Uh... God, you guys, I'm. So- that's what happens when you talk to me. No, no. Oh boy. <laughs> I'm not depressed. I'm 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 more like thinking, like, okay, here's all the things I need to do to go get my movie made right now. It's not like, yeah. oh yeah, like. Uh, whatever. I don't know. Anyways, stay positive. That's all I'm trying to say. Okay, um, thanks. I needed that, Alric. All right. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, please check out all Rob's stuff. Um, and thanks, Rob, for being on the show. You can check out our website at makingmoviesishard.com, where you can find the links to the things that we talked about. Um, we'll definitely link uh, Timothy's short film, My Best Friend, which Rob starred in, so you can see the the famous kissing of the dog scene and all other kinds of stuff. Um and if you want to get in contact with us, you can send us an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com, or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at MMIH Podcast. Thank you, Timothy. Thank you again, Rob. Awesome show. Um, yes. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>